welcome to LWAFLMOYP. It's an acronym. Our show is called Let's Watch a Full Length Movie on YouTube with Mike Spiegelman and Carl. Hi, Carl. Hi. Give me an L. Give me a W. L. What is that? W. L. Give me an F. A. L. F. Give me an L. L. O. Actually, we're just going to watch a movie on YouTube. We want you to listen to the podcast and watch the movie at the same time, and it just really floats your boat. We would love it for you to subscribe to our podcast. Our name is L-W-A-F-L-M-O-Y-T. Carl, give me an L. L. Give me a W. Give me a W-A-F-L-M-O-Y-T. Oh, damn it. That's the second time. Didn't I tell you the rules? I have to start all over. Listen, the reason the multiple for me is that the first time it's all right. Anyway, so what we were to do is that you're going to listen to the podcast and watch the movie on YouTube. Carl, what's the movie today? Today we are watching The Jerk 2. It is The Jerk, comma, T-O-O, 1984, in parentheses. We like... Oh, I never... Yeah. We like the publisher Deranged Visions. If you search for The Jerk, comma, T-O-O, you will find Nightmare Matinee, The Jerk 2, 1984... Publisher Deranged Visions, or, or channel, I should say. Well, that channel is terrific. This guy really loves movies, and uh, I do see a couple of YouTube channels where not only do they put as many movies as possible, but they kind of make them a matinee because they'll show, you know, they'll post in a certain time. Uh-huh. So this guy, if you have a couple of movies, check out his uh, the videos on his channel. They're fantastic. Uh, you know what? I'm going to subscribe right now. Click. Wow. It's allowed now, son. Yeah. Well, I'll say, hey, Carl, all right, well, ladies and gentlemen, we want you to uh, go ahead and click the link, Nightmare Matinee, The Jerk 2, 1984, from our dear friends, The Rain Visions. Hit pause. Once you get to it, move that slider to the left so you're at zero, zero, zero. We also want you to subscribe to our Twitter feed, L-W-A-F-L-M-O-Y-T. Subscribe to our YouTube channel, L-W-A-F-L-M-O-Y-T. Hello, I'm done. Join us on Facebook at Let's Watch a Full Length Movie on YouTube. And uh, that's, I think that's all the promo I got. We Oh, I should mention, if you don't have the patience to wait for this to drop every Sunday afternoon and evening on uh, your podcast feed, listen to it first. This show streams first on mutinyradio.fm, thanks to the greatest station manager yes. in the world, Bam Gen, uh, Benjamin. And we want you to... Before we start the movie, this is our only ad. Go to Venmo and donate money to Meet Me Radio at Meet Me Radio. Okay, so uh, normally uh, I'm actually very excited to bring up uh, a gentleman who will count down. Uh, yeah, Countdown King himself, the maestro of descending numerals. When it comes to multiples of three, he is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Paul Brumbaugh, host of the show before us. Paul's not here right now, but will you please welcome in his place the Paul Brombach. All right, so let's get this started. I am I am ready. It was a live show. We're very excited to have Paul here as our countdown gentleman. Let's get ready to Brombach. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, let's get ready to Brombach. Okay, so let's get ready to Brombach. And now, what you've all been waiting for, master of the descending numerals. The Countdown King himself. Would you please welcome 
Mr. Paul Brumbaugh. All right, guys, you know the drill. Put that finger right over that triangle and do it in three, two, one, go. Very excited. Wow, it just go, kicks right off into the credits. Because it's TV. It was the old TV. I know. I saw this in 84. This was kind of a special thing. Look at all the stars. Ray Winston, that weird kooky guy. <laughs> now, doesn't he look like the guy, our friend from the Annihilators, Bud the Chud? Yeah, he does look like Bud the Chud a bit. But Like if Marty felt yeah. that Bud the Chud had a baby. I saw Bud the Chud on the TV pilot for the television version of Blazing Saddles that came out in 1974. Garrett, whatever his name is. So he's been he's been no stranger on television. This yep. was a weird thing. This is one thing. I I don't really see this happen that, as much, even though we live in a streaming world where movies become TV series. Yes. This is a direct sequel that premiered on television. Right. It's not really a sequel. It's like a reworking of the jerk. It's like a different story. And it was executive produced by Steve Martin. Well, what does that mean? It means he was looking to make a TV, you know, just make some money off of a concept. He didn't have to do anything, you know. Right. And I just want to say that the the song, you know, the theme song, who's that guy who wrote yeah. Short People Got No Reason? Oh. Yeah. My dad, Randy Spiegelman. He was big for a short time, and what they were trying to do is bite off that fame by making a song that really sounds like he wrote it. Oh, come on. There must have been another L.A. white guy like Granny Newman. I love L.A. We love it. You're, I'm, I'm being ironic. Don't take it at face value. <laughs> now, this is Navin Johnson, just like the original movie, and he is so dumb – He'll believe anything, and that's what these kids outside the window were saying. They had He was collecting eggs and thanking each chicken individually, and they did a painted softball. And he's like, you won't believe uh, the egg that just came out of here. And they, they put it, you know. Now they're spinning a story about the bull, this horrible bull, and how he has nasal congestion, and would you please go blow his nose? <laughs> oh, <laughs> uh, I'm only laughing because I fell for that once, you know, and I was in Newark, which is the worst part. Now, what was I even unbelievable about this movie is that he would be so dumb. Now, Steve Martin, he pulled it off. Yeah. But this guy is just like, uh -huh, right. uh -huh, uh -huh. Why do you think Steve Martin pulled it off in The Jerk? He pulled it. He pulled a lot in the jerk, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> jerk off. Uh, he was what? believable as what a dummy, you, you know. Um, what's a good example? Like the butler comes and says, "There are people from charities here," and he's like, "No, send them away. There's mu many people much more deserving than me." And he goes, "No, yeah. sir. They want you to give money." And Steve Martin, like he thinks about it, he goes, "Oh." Okay, like it's believable he's that dumb. This guy doesn't pull it off like Steve did. Gotcha. Also, Steve didn't hang out with children. The Nathan that I know from the theater would not befriend children. 
Well, there was that one child Bernadette Peters was uh, being the babysitter for. Right, I guess so. Okay, so what? Okay, this guy is Harold, his brother, and we know him from Revenge of the Nerds. Yeah, right, Lamont. Yeah, um, Shock Cinema, which we saw in the movie Grindhouse, is one of the uh, movie uh, magazines at the at the Big Red or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, had a great interview with him, and he talked about all his uh, uh, films. Hero is not a, uh, hero is another word for sandwich or uh-huh. or something like that. Space. That was interesting. It's the Karate Kid. Yeah. His name's Larry B. So, Scott, 19- and he really is only here in the beginning. Well, he was making he was making some some stardom with Revenge of the Nerds back then, right? Yep. I mean, that was '83. Now, what we learned with the bull is that Naven is very good with animals. Like, hostile animals will not attack him. That's what we learned. And that'll play out throughout the movies. Now we're going to learn that he's really good at cards. Shuffling them and... Like, it's right? like uh, Steve Martin. He was like... um. There's one card missing from the deck. He goes, well, what card is it? And he flips through them and he goes, Ace of Diamonds, and his father produces it. Ah. That's pretty good. Do you think these are stunt hands? Yes, I definitely think these are stunt hands. Look at that shuffling. All right, the queen's in that pile. Fuck. You know, the, the trick to three-card Monty is that you're eventually going to win. So you just keep losing, and then, you you, you know, you let it ride. Oh. And then eventually you'll pick the queen. Yeah. That is sound advice. Here, allow, me, allow me to demonstrate. Now, there was a guy on Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood who was Mr. McFeely, the delivery person. And this guy's trying to be Mr. McFeely. Right. He's even, you know, putting on his affect and everything. Right. Well, Pepper's Farm remembers. (laughs) Exactly. Now, he just kissed him on the cheek, by the way. He was waiting for a letter from his pen pal. Now, he's been pen pals with this girl since the sixth grade. She's out in California. This is too much plot. Already, this movie is just like firing at full cylinders. Yes. You know, one, one, one thing about the jerk is that it does it does walk a very thin line between just outrageous and offensive. And, you know, the opening family bit, I don't think – it's not a question that it can't be done today. I don't think anyone could pull it off. Like, they, they pulled it off, you know. Yeah. Uh, well, so it's worth to see – yeah. There's talented actors out there that could be – like, uh, remember that guy we like who was – um. Corey something pet detective. No, that wasn't it. Oh, uh, yeah. Jim Carrey? Love no, him. Um, Jim Carrey could have pulled it off in his, uh, when he started. Um, yeah. But uh, there, there's actors out there that could do it. This guy cannot do it. This guy was famous for being on Fridays, if you remember that show. Mm-hmm. Yes, which, by the way, if you are a streaming Meister, you can watch it. You can get Tubi, T-U-B-I, and you can, or Pluto. I think it's one, Tubi or Pluto. Uh-huh. They have the complete season of Fridays, and I watched them on a great episode. 
So, as you know, Fridays was a ripoff of Saturday Night Live, and it had Larry, That's true. David, That's fair. and you had Michael Richards, and it was a Los Angeles version. So they aired it live at 8.30 p.m. Los Angeles time, mm-hmm. and us little kids in the East Coast saw it live at 11.30. I, Andy Kaufman showed up, and he broke character, and he got angry, and he got into a fight with Michael Richards on the stage, and uh, there were no one was informed that he was going to do it. And it was a big deal, and it's in the movie Man on the Moon. But what is very little known is that Andy Kaufman returned to Fridays and on the opening of the third season, which is available on TV. I keep bringing this up because The Jerk 2 was on it, and The oh. Jerk 2 played a a druggist, a, a pharmacist right. who's kind of coughing pills. Yeah, and he's screaming, he's yelling at the Space Invaders machine, and he's like, you know, Michael Richards shows up in drag, and he's going nuts. It ends. There's a commercial break, and Andy Kaufman comes out to present the musical guest, The Pretenders. Uh-huh. And he goes, uh, before I bring him up, I just want to talk about that last sketch. Uh, drugs are bad. They're a crutch. You know, they numb the pain. And he proceeds to talk about drugs, uh, the dangers of drugs, and how that sketch was wrong so long that they had they never got to The Pretenders. They had to cut to the commercials. <laughs> Boy, that Andy Kaufman. Somebody yells. He goes, someone goes, rock and roll. He goes, yeah, I know, it's entertainment, but I just want to be clear that, you know, drugs are not good. So, yeah, Andy Kaufman. And then the pretenders, so my brother and I saw that back in 1980 or whenever it aired, and uh, we thought it was the police, to be honest with you, but uh, we were shocked, and no one really brings up that stunt he did. I watched the rest of the episode, and the pretenders show up and perform four times, so don't worry about the pretenders. And Andy Kaufman, that was about it. You know, he he pretended he was married, he was born again, and he married a, a gospel singer, and they sang a song together. But yeah, that guy was the dr- the pharmacist. Oh, so they're reenacting the racist parts in uh, the jerk one right now. Okay, so that's really interesting. You say that you call it racist, but I don't know. I think he was trying to make a joke. Like I was born a poor black child. Obviously, he wasn't. He's right. a white person. So that's the joke. I'm not but, sure why it's racist. Right. But well, no, that's the thing. The, the reason why I think it's so good is that he, he commits to the joke. You know, he actually, you know, the joke is, is in front of us. And that whole speech that the father gives about the difference between shit and Shinola uh, yeah. and then he steps in the shit is classic. Yeah. And that's really fun. And then, yeah. It's just believable. You know, if Na- if our Naven here had done it, um, his name's Mark, by the way. He would have exaggeratedly stepped in the poop. You know what I mean? Like, and they wouldn't show it on TV, or they make a sound effect. What's really TV. weird about race in this movie? They don't say it directly. He never says, "I was born a poor black child." Later in the script, he's going to show a picture of his family. He's going to get kicked out of a place for it, but they never talk about why. Interesting. Well, it's. it's... TV, I guess. Yeah. They really, they probably brought it up just because it was in the movie. But now his name is Mark Blankfield, um, and he was in The Incredible Shrinking Woman. You know that one. Um, yeah, I like that one. Really. He was in Robin Hood, Men in Tights, but who wasn't? Um, and you it's know how he was on movie. Fridays. Yes, um, that's probably where I came from. Jekyll and Hyde. Uh, 
Dracula dead and loving it. I mean, he did his stint. You know, he had his fame, but it pretty much went away in the 80s. He did go on to be unlike. He made an appearance in Night Court uh, on the Jamie Foxx show. He made an appearance on Saved by the Bell. Uh, he was on in Arrested Development, which is about the coolest thing. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm re-watching it. Yeah. So, so I'll, 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 I'll keep a lookout. We missed... Uh, okay, let's see. What's her name? It's... Gosh. We missed a famous actress... Um, who who was in Bullworth? Who was in? Eh, it's too late. She's passed now. But uh... oh, I'm sorry to hear my condolences. <laughs> she did die. She died in 2001. Her name's Helen Martin, and she's known for Repo Man in '84 and Death Wish in '74, oh. and she was in House Party Two, and she was in Doctor Hollywood. She's just always like the older um, <laughs> grandma type black lady. Uh, she's pretty much a stereotype, but but I like her. She's she's um she always plays yeah. her role well. By the way, this turkey leg never acted again. This yeah. is it. It got eaten that day. Okay, so <laughs> the big comedic point here is Navin wants to know which track will take him to L.A. And so when he finds out, he starts walking the track. Ah. Uh, ha ha ha. See, the thing is, you see how he does it all happy, and I'm proud, and I'm walking. Steve Martin would do it like, like, well, I finally found the track. I don't know. It's believable. <clears throat> all right, now we're hearing a bunch of music played by some hobos, and Navin will be curious about that and go over and try to listen to the music. Hobo to go. Yeah. I bring it well, Ray Oh yeah, Ray Walston, who's a who's a, Who a, fan of, a a part of this show from Kiss Me Stupid. Remember Dean Martin? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was terrific in that. I, I was just trying to think too. of one movie like Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Was that around '84 when this came out? Um, he was yeah. Fast Times in Ridgemont High. Wow, look at him go. Nathan's rocking. It's not jumping out at me what year that was. Here it is, 1982. And he was on seven episodes yeah. of Fast Times, the TV series. Mr. Handy. Yeah, right. We also know him from this show from O.C. and Stiggs. Yeah, that's right. He's good in O.C. and Stiggs. And he's our Star Trek connection. Yeah. Okay. okay, so I'm going to play the audio because yeah, this is a funny gag, okay? I'm all ears. He goes, what's you got in the basket? And so Naven starts listing all the food, and they start eating it. And he goes, that's my mom's bit, was my mom's biscuits. Ah, he's still listening to them, huh? Wow. Here this we go, here's a joke. went straight to the bubble. Uh, that's, uh, that's, uh, pie, chicken. Uh, that was my surprise. 
See, he never like gets mad or hey, that's mine. He always rolls with it. Right. Now, I thought this guy on the right was Lamont from Sanford and Son, but it's not. No. Any more food in there? So, no, but now they ate it all. But now they're like, what do you got in the um, briefcase? And he just lists like clothes and stuff. But then he says cards. He goes, we uh, play, you know, do you guys play cards? He goes, oh, we've been known to play, but we play for money. And uh, he goes, I got money because his father gave him money. So stupid. But he's winning. He's winning every hand. I don't remember that in the first one. He never really gambled. That's right. This one, it's like Rain Man. Yeah. Oh, but look, he's giving the money back. Well, he goes, we can't play no more. We got no more money. He goes, whoa, that's because I got all the money. Here you go. My favorite is when you play cards with someone who just does not want to play. And they, like, burn through their money. And they're like, okay, I'm done. And they get on their phone. They're like, no, hey, come join us. We want you on the table. No, done. Come on, here, I'll throw you five bucks. Here, I got you five bucks of chips. I'll stick uh-uh. <laughs> yeah. I like the guys who lose their money and then keep playing. They're, they're the best. <laughs> they start taking the rings off. Yeah, I've done that a couple of times. It's like uh, the problem of being in the 21st century is you don't have a watch on your wrist, so you can't be like, all right, I'm going to hop the watch. You got to leave your daughter as a marker. Yeah. Right, you show up with like old-timey things like a wristwatch and like a a glass case. You'd be like, okay, I'll, I'll throw in my glass case. Okay, Uh-oh. suddenly they hear the train coming, and they're like, it's the special, it's early. So they're all scrambling. So he's like, come on, kid, you want to go see your pen pal in Los Angeles? I didn't really set that up because uh, you said, oh, my God, plot, right? So let me just give you that plot. Yeah. The pen no, no, pal said she, she, the surprise news that she was getting married, um, and she invited Naven to the wedding. And so that's what this is about. He's trying to go see Marie in Los Angeles. Her name's Marie Van Buren, and she's a woman of wealth, you know, wealthy family. And she's going to marry, like, oh. the Count of Serbia. Listen, I knew she was rich when you said her name had a Vaughn in it. Uh-huh. That's right. Yeah. yeah I mean, if you're not rich. I mean, when I was rich, I, I was Michael Von Spiegelman for a while, just so people knew. Like that director, right? Oh my God, Joseph Ben Sternberg. I still have the 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 DVD box set. I checked that from the library back in uh, February. That makes sense. Yeah, they hold on to it. Says the library. Yeah, right. When things pass, unless you yeah, well, they actually did do. You sneeze. They locked all the boxes. Really? I don't want this shit. Yeah. I guess I'll watch it again. It's so funny. Like I go to the library like three times a week, and uh, I'll just rent whatever I can, watch it, and return it. And now I have it. So it's like, well, I could you know, take my time and rewatch it again. And it's not worth it. Uh-oh, things are bad. Nathan's on the roof. 
Well, they ditched him, you see. They said, throw on your suitcase. They knew the money was on there. And then they pretended that they couldn't reach him. And he's like, oh, guys, looks like we all made it. You know, he's so stupid. So now the we're learning that uh, Diesel, you know, Diesel, our friend Ray Walston, Diesel is going to yeah. meet up with the guys later in Los Angeles because he's going to take Navin for a little tour to a guy named Suicide's Poker Game, and which uh, they're going to put him on Easy Street. So he gives him all the money. He just wants enough money to stake Navin. Now, deer don't come up to you, and Navin is feeding deer. Navin has this thing with animals. They just love him. Huh. Well, yeah, they probably saw the movie and they said they were hysterical. Hmm. Uh, here, you could feed you could feed us, Mr. Martin. We loved you in the first movie. <laughs> they think it's Steve Martin. <laughs> <laughs> now that was like Steve Martin and Carl Reiner made a string of fantastically great comedies. And then they uh they went their ways. Yeah, yeah. It was a good run. Yeah. It was a good run. And it produced a sequel. Now, that guy's I'm, face, I'm, I first recognized, that's suicide. But I recognized him because he was in um, that movie with, um, oh gosh, we saw him last time. Who's, who's your, the guy from Police Academy who we saw in Burglar? Oh, right, uh, G.W. Bailey. G.W. Bailey, right. Do you remember the Frisco Kid? Yeah. Yeah, uh, with Gene Wilder. Right. This guy was one of the bad guys the, that killed – remember they stole his Torah? and No, not the Torah. They, like, robbed him, and then when he got to San Francisco, he had a um, he had a shootout with them in the street. Remember? Barely. I've seen that movie a couple times, too. He was – that's why I recognized his face. Now, he was in Rumblefish. Uh, which was okay. He was in lots of TV. He was any which way you can. Um, so you might recognize his face there. Yeah, I guess I would. I just don't recognize any of the roles. Like I, maybe he acts so well that I just don't re remember him. And this guy is tripping me out because he looks like my buddy Charles Ezell. So getting a little chat flashback watching this movie. This this guy, this is Suicide uh, himself. He was in the Frisco Kid. He was the guy. Yeah, no, his buddy there with the, the mouth breather with the beard. Oh, I think he's, yeah, he's yeah. after the table for some reason. He's not in the table anymore. They they swapped out. Continuity. Oh, there's Bernadette Peters. <laughs> no, she she was an actress and she's she was in stuff. It just wasn't appealing to me. I didn't even write it down. Gotcha. Yeah, he looks, like, he looks a little like Mickey Burke. What's going on here is, you know, Diesel, you're back. And he goes, well, sit down. He goes, no, no, I learned my lesson with you, suicide. I'm staking Navin. <laughs> so it's weird how he keeps bumping into card games in this movie. Right. He goes, well, no, he, he got brought there by Ray. You know, by Diesel, yeah. uh, specifically to beat them. 
So here we see like the passing of time, and of course Naven is winning. I'll put on a little audio here because he laughs. <laughs> what do you think they're playing? They're not playing Hold'em, right? They're if this movie was made, uh, yeah, but poker back in the day was like five card draw, right? The Cincinnati Kid, they were playing five five card stud, which which I which is one of the reasons why I love that movie. But they're playing they're playing like just regular old poker, but everyone now plays Hold'em. Right. Well, Texas Hold'em got popular recently. You're right. No. Poker is always a game in which you have your best five cards, and right. there's you, you could be dealt, dealt seven, it could be five, you could draw once, twice, no draw, you know, it's always a combination yeah. of uh, Texas Hold'em is really was, different from the betting. Right. Well, Texas Hold'em, I mean, it's, I guess it was easier to play online, but it became a standard, and with the tournaments and a lot of money, that's right. kind of the, the standard. And uh, But, you know, people will play kitchen games where it's dealer's choice, and the dealer will say, we'll play Hold'em, or we'll play five-card draw, mm-hmm. or we'll play, like, the variations, Omaha, whatever, Utah, you know, shit like that. Now this guy looks like Stacy Keach. So it's just funny that, like, it used to be for shorthand for poker, it was always five-card draw, you know. And, like, Cincinnati Kid was five-card stud, which is a really hardcore game. But now well, it's always, like, you just get your five rounders. cards. That's it. Let's bet. Yeah, but that one card, of that one face-down card can change everything. Yeah, You bet five times, you know. Oh, it, maybe I'm of, wrong. More... Uh, I thought stud was... Uh... I mean, you bet, but you don't. Okay, so you get to reveal one card at a time. Is that how that works? For five card stud, yeah. So you get one down and one up, and then you bet. And then there's three more rounds of betting as the other three cards are faced up. Uh, and you know, you can look at people's cards and go, yeah, unless he gets another king, he's fucked. You know, right. or this guy has an inside straight, which is even more fuckable. But you know, in seven card stud, it's two down and one up. So you have a, and you can pick the five out of seven. So it's a little more, you know, lenient. Oh, not even in his face. Yeah. Man, that's suicide. That is suicide. Yeah, you're right. You've seen this before. That is suicide. That's suicide. Does not get cake in that biker. That's suicide. So okay, quick, Ray knock over the bikes. True colors, and he's basically abandoning Maven. But Maven's following him. Yeah. Now the um, the poker mall there. She likes Nathan, yeah. you know. Don't hurt him. Yeah. So she's gonna come to his well, rescue. Maybe she's an animal in real in a past life. And that's why she has such you know. a kinship with. Uh... Yeah. Now, while I was watching What's this it? film the first time, I really thought yeah. that. She was going to become his girlfriend because that's the way the script was leaning, but that's not what happened at all. Because this is TV, right. and it's sort of like how you describe the dream. 
It starts at the beginning and it goes to the end. Now, it does wrap itself up. It does have a respectable Act 3. But all this stuff leading up to it is haphazard and random. Right. Well, I mean, it's a... It's a do you think they made this movie in hopes to make this a TV show? Absolutely. And like now, the internet doesn't know a thing about this movie. It just says, what are you talking about, The Jerk 2? I can tell you some stuff about it, but it never even speaks about that. I tried to find interviews. I looked up Steve Martin as executive producer. It, the internet right. doesn't want to tell you anything. It says that it was on channel – it was tonight at 8 on channel 4. Um, I believe well, that I... they were seeking of television studios and this uh, – television series, and this was like a telemovie to act as the pilot for a series The Jerk. Well, that makes sense. But what would he do every week? Like drop the dishes every week? I this guess. Tuesday, David drops the dishes again. David! That's right. Nathan. So this pretty much just died, and it did end up on a DVD release of The Jerk. that You get, you buy The Jerk and The Jerk 2. You know, a what a bargain. Movie. Yeah, but that's that's <laughs> all that really happened with this film. Well, it was a double-sided DVD where both sides had a movie on it. <laughs> and for the jerk, too, it says, put coffee on here. Yeah. Use this double as coaster. Double as yeah. coaster. <laughs> DVDs are so much better as coasters because, you know, VHS takes up most of your coffee table. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, Although, he's going to get pushed off of – oh, he's dead. He is dead, but no. This is another thing that you either like or don't like. I don't know. In a movie world, right, he just coincidentally falls right where Ray is. And Ray's right. like, I told you I'd yeah. go to Los Angeles, didn't I? I think the most notorious one was Hudson Hawk, mm -hmm. where he falls off a building, goes through an awning, hits the sidewalk, goes through the sidewalk, and lands on a couch inside an apartment building <laughs> yeah. where the villains are. Where the villains are. Yeah. Yeah, that's our that's the movie rule we always talk about. You only have six characters in your universe, so if you're going to fall off a, a, a building, uh, fall off a bridge, you're going to land in a, a haste truck with uh, Ray Winstone. Right, with. exactly. Who's playing at the Las Vegas? Let's see who's there. I would pause it and check it out. So Ooh, here Ray we Sanford have our, um, uh, you know, it, it, he, it's the tip, yeah, the typical taking him to Vegas, and he's sort of like a savant. You know, I'm surprised that you don't see Tom Cruise and Dustin Hoffman here. So Ray is gonna right, or make Jack his Hoffman. fortune with uh, Naven's poker playing abilities. That was my favorite part of The Hangover. One of my favorite parts of that, the first movie, is that they take Zach Galifianakis to the casino knowing that he's going to rain man and, and win the money. Right. It was just like, yeah, but he's going to rain man it, and he does. You know, it was, it was pretty funny. It was like the fastest joke I've ever seen. They just went right. They, they, their multiple of three was more multiple of one and a half. They I'll went put three, on some four. audio because he says some. Watch, he's going to annoy this patron. Watch this. 
So now he gets his own coin. You know what's going to happen, right? Yes. Oh, I bet that he's not going to win the jackpot. Right. You can take my offer. Wait. <laughs> jackpot, jackpot, yeah, jackpot. Like, Damn it, three jackpots in a row. So he thinks he's in trouble, right? And when he goes yeah. up to Ray, Ray goes, sounds like somebody broke the bank. And he's like, it's broken. Oh, things are rough all over. So he just leaves off. I wonder how many. The dummy. I wonder how many shows that guy took from the Friday's set to, to make it through this movie. Yeah. Let's see. This was 84, probably shot in 83. I wish I could tell you because the internet won't tell me anything. Friday's was what? 80? Friday's, Friday's was like during that uh, terrible year of Saturday Night Live, 1980. Like once the season ended, they said, uh, everything's up for grabs. We'll just do our own. Yeah. And we'll shoot it in Los Angeles. Oh. And it lasted three seasons. which shot the fuck out of me. It, oh, it wasn't one season. It was three seasons? Three fucking seasons. Now they did. Yeah, if you have the opportunity. They've been invited to a private poker game. And another friend of the really? show will open the door. Okay, I'm looking forward to it. It better be Garrett Griff. It better be Bud the Chud, too. Oh, hello. It's it's Jimmy J.J. Walker from uh, Concord Airplane uh, Airport 79. Right. He goes, he, he thinks he's being recognized. Wait, is he playing himself? Yes, he is. And he goes, you know who you look like? And he goes, yeah, yeah, I know. And he goes, my brother Harold from Hendersonville. Well, how weird. Quick. Name another movie where Jimmy J.J. J. Walker plays himself, and you've seen it. I recommended it to you, and you hated me for, for saying I should watch it. Stars uh, Robert De Niro. The comedian. Remember? He's like, hey, Jimmy, how's it going? Well, terrible. It's going all right, Bob. Now, wait. i got to interrupt you because we're going to see a lot of stars right now. All right. Rita Morana. Martin Law, well, he's out. He looks at all his rings are gone, Jimmy. So, as I told you, I looked up Steve Martin as an executive producer, and his he had a situation yes. comedy called Domestic Life starring Martin Mull that premiered on Channel 2. And I wonder if that's why he was in this film, because Steve Martin produced it. What a stretch. I also think that if they shot – well, this wasn't – I'm sure the exteriors were shot in Las Vegas, but this looks like L.A., and the interiors must have been L.A., mm-hmm. so they must have just called up Mark and walked down the street and did it. Now, he was also in O.C. and Stiggs, another reference to uh, – Yeah. Yeah. Look, I like how Chinatown has, like, the, the Chinatown font. The China Dragon. The racist Chinatown font. Oh, no, you know, it's, it, I guess that's what uh, you see all the time in Chinatown. What was that about? He just they, showed up and... He finally met up with his friend like he promised. And, um, you know, he's he told him, just give me enough money to stake the kid and we'll meet you in L.A. And that's what's happening. So gotcha. Ray is rich, 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 rich off the back of Naven. And Naven is so naive he doesn't even understand that. 
He's got this rich uh, uh, car, and he, he drops him off here and says, I'll be at the plaza suite. You know, we, we get surprised that it's like a rich house. You know, this is his pen pal. Oh, yeah, he's trucking rich. Oh, like a hobo, but Diesel must be like luck, thanking his lucky stars. It's the presidential suite at the Winchester Arms Hotel. So now he knows where Ray will be, and that's important for our plot. Okay, I'm glad we talked about it. Is this the end of Ray Winstone? Look, he, he knocked that guy's we cigar. We think it is. Now watch. I'll be back. Ray gives him money. And then his friend goes, he's, who's from the West Indies, he goes, I never seen you give nobody man, any money, man. And he goes, it's not, name is just, just anybody. I'll play it. Uh, it isn't exactly think, touching, I, but. Yeah. So he genuinely likes Naven, but the thing is, yeah, he made him rich. Yeah. Oh, so uh, poor Naven, not going to get stuff. Now look, fierce yeah. Doberman pinchers, fierce Doberman pinchers. But you said Naven is a friend to animals. Oh, they're like, oh, it's you, Naven. We're from, we like you. The deer in the forest told us about you. All right, look at that. <laughs> You're such a pretty girl. Yes, you are. So he's a jerk because he's good at cards and uh, dogs like him. Yeah, you okay. see, Steve Martin's Courage. jerk never had these special abilities. Yeah. Sure, he could fly, <laughs> in my mind. You know, one of the movies, uh, and I think it's still on YouTube, I talked about it on my brother's podcast, Proudly's Events, is Hardly Working. Remember Jerry Lewis is hardly working. Came out in yeah, 1979. I do. So the advertising, the advertising says he's the original jerk, and there's a scene okay. where uh, he's because and it was like you know he pretends he's a, uh, a Benihana chef with the with the teeth. Right. And uh, one of the things he does is he gets a job at the gas station, and. You remember the scene in the gas station and the jerk with the cans, right? Yes. Where the can, where the, oh, he, yeah. So in the jerk, he just knocks over the cans. Well, he goes, and he the jerk and hardly can. Oh, oh. He hates these cans. Classic, right? So in the Jerry Lewis version, Jerry keeps knocking over the, the big pile of cans in the store mm-hmm. while the boss is just going. Yeah, frustrated. Yeah, so, you know, it's two different styles of comedy, but... Again, the jerk, the jerk does some amazing stuff. That movie is, I don't know, I just I like that film so much. It's really terrific. So they think he's the help. He's like, sure, I'll help. And then, so now he's like a waiter at this fancy buffet. Look at this. So who? This is me when I bank with later. So, yeah, so. Okay, let me put my finger on that. So th- this uh, guy, Snotty, goes, are you planning to share those? And Naven's like, of course, I couldn't eat all these myself. <laughs> now he <laughs> sees <laughs> Marie, his pen pal. Oh, where? 
she's well we'll see her step up in a minute she's gonna marry this count uh he is french canadian this guy he's totally french canadian he was really um a a, a, a soap opera star all my children loving um great his name is count marco in the film and he's jean leclerc there's marie the daughter wow and that's your father right she's not marrying yes. that guy oh Nate. and he's got no he credits jerk. besides this film you know what the real jerky thing to do is to start stripping on the fruit and laying your ass in the punch bowl on the, that's on the right. table yeah. I when that happened I dropped my monocle. <laughs> now uh, we have a dreamy like you made it. She's so happy. That little Vaseline on the camera right. lens. Thank you, director, for hitting us over the head. Now this director, he's okay. he did Cooley High in seventy five. Oh, that's a great movie. Yeah, that's a great movie. Well he so he's crush just, groove he's, he's crush groove. I like Crush Groove too. And here's so my favorite. Like this director, his name is Michael Schultz. He did Car Wash, seventy six. He did Cooley High, Car Wash, and Crush Groove, and yeah. he's now reduced to being the jerk too. Right, reduced. Yep. He needs like a a, a a Medal of Honor, man. Those those movies are great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So now the Butler, yeah. right? Naven keeps on saying stupid things, and the butler thinks that he's on purpose making hilarious jokes. Oh. Oh, we get to see a naked Naven. In the shower. Well, he's wearing a kilt. Uh, they're called towels, Carl. Oh. American brand. It's not a Scottish thing. I don't want to do right. the towel. I was thinking of Sir Billy's towel, the kilt. <laughs> we are just mentioning all the films that we've watched before. Well, Sir Billy you know was a film show. That was so You're funny. with us. We'll never broadcast that episode. It was just such a bad movie. Yeah. I don't think Steve Martin had anything to do with this movie other than he got an executive producer credit and probably some money for this. Agree, agree. And I scoured the internet. You know, you go on a Google search. I was like on page 14, page 15. Give me something, internet. Yeah, but the problem is this is not a unique title, right? You type in the jerk too and you get like, let me jerk you off too. Or, no. you know, like that jerk you no, I put in The Jerk 2, 1984, and I got references to this movie. But, I mean, IMDb and Wikipedia, when they laugh at your movie, you know nothing's going on. Right. You know, I think Shock Cinema might have talked about this film. I mean, I may have read about it, but I, I saw it when it came out. Uh, my brother and I watched it on TV in really? back in 84. Yeah, so this is, I mean, this is a nostalgic trip for me because I remember it was like a big deal. You know, TV movies of the week. Movie of the week on TV sometimes was a big deal. You know, you got to see Animal House. Mm. It was edited for content. Yeah. But it, you got to see, you know. So, you know, the opportunity to see the sequel to The Jerk on TV on a school night, you know. So Maria's like, 
would you like to, I talked to my parents and you could stay until the wedding. And he goes, well, only if you have enough room. And the, the butler's like, oh, oh, sir, you slay me. Enough room, he says. Right. Oh, oh. So we find out that Marie, not Marie Osmond, Marie has hardly knows this, this uh, count, Count Marco. They're getting married because the father thought it was a good idea because she'd become a countess. She'd move to Italy. She'd live in a castle. That's pretty good. So she is meeting him like at this thing tonight, you know, but she was very happy to meet her pen pal. And of course, you can guess what's going to happen. So here we are. There's a running gag. It's like Navin like we'll make everything a sandwich that's he's making a club sandwich right now so right now they're they're kindling they're getting to know each other and it's working well and of course the count will be jealous of this yeah he's gonna he's gonna make her jealous to get her own pen his own pen pal aren't they kind of old for being pen pals yeah well it started in the sixth grade Gotcha. That's right. You mentioned that. I guess this movie is making. Look at that. That's a killer Dagwood he made. Now he that's knows the horse from Pen Pals, and the Count is trying to ride the horse, but the horse is coming straight over to Navin. Yeah, because animals love Navin. Right. <laughs> You're going to hurt his feelings. <laughs> now watch him introduce himself. Okay. <laughs> I'm naive. I'm naive. Yeah. Yeah. So he's Count of uh, Bosnia and, you know, Transylvania and all these places. And he's a man of title. So he's invited to st come to dinner. And then I think he says something very funny. He goes, Oh, good. Thank God. He'll be at dinner tonight. <laughs> he says, try to stay home. <laughs> and they pretend like, oh, it's not funny what he said. It is so funny. It is great. Yeah, you never have an opportunity in life to say that, too. So he must have relished it. <laughs> try to stay out of the punch ball. You know, Carl, I was at a party and I, I was like a wallflower. It was kind of awkward. And I figured to break the ice, I would do the classic prank uh -huh. turd in the punch bowl. And it was funny. It was it was funny until everyone died of cholera. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That can put a damper on the night. So now he's jealous. Yeah. To find out he's sleeping with the maid. You know, we're being set up to not like him. Oh, thank God, because I was going to say, Naven's cutting into his action. Mm -hmm. Thank God. So he's the jerk too. 
<laughs> also. As well. Also. <laughs> now, what's really happening here is like a first date. Right. And it's... Isn't he friends to animals? Why is he fishing? Yeah. Thank you for catching me. Now, here's a joke. Naven's got something. It's a, it's what, a boot? That would be perfect, but they were being original. Oh, this is 19... Oh, <laughs> scuba diver. Chuck's show. So where did uh, they get Jeff a fishing pole? Where did they get a two-person bike? It's called a tandem. They did it in tandem. Yeah. Now look what happens. Keep pulling on my head. Wee. And unlike Mr. Accident, she doesn't mind at all. She thinks Naven's great. Oh my God! We didn't, you know, we had just recently aired that episode when we watched Mister Accident. Yep. Last I really liked that movie. I did too. Yeah, it could have been a lot worse. He could have been a lot cruder, and he wasn't. Like he, he definitely has a grace to him that I, I like. You know, like he. And that there was, was no like. Was too bad he went away. Yeah, bring back Yahoo Serious. Right, and we saw him. Oh, you didn't see him. I found him on the internet. He's like 63, and he looks old, man. Oh, yeah. God, you know, I always feel like when you watch an old silent movie, that's usually them joking around in the park, and they probably just shot it, like, outside the studio in the park. And then when I see movies like this, I go, Jesus Christ, you know? Like, does it really matter where they are? They just do their antics, you know? Right. The scene is in the location. The scene is them doing a stunt, you know? Right, and he did his own stunt there. He rolled out of that tree. I know. Well, thank God he was wearing suspenders or his stick might have fallen out of his hands. Yeah, I, if, if he has one. So now she has to go for the fitting of her wedding dress, and they're like, oh, I'll see you later. Oh, darn. And she's like, come <laughs> with right. us, Naven. And he goes, no, I really need to write home to my parents, you know, my family. They got to write home. Yeah. And it's more of the uh, he thinks he's making jokes when he's really just being dumb. Now, Mike. Now, it's funny. The butler. Yes. Finish your thought because I got something Carl. to show you. The butler looks like the butler from Training Places, 1983. Go ahead, Carl. Oh, yeah. That guy we saw yes. in uh, uh, School for Sex. Um, okay. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> now. Yeah. Here is the weirdest thing ever, okay? All of a sudden, out of the blue, out of nowhere, I've never seen this in a movie ever, it becomes a musical. What about Magnolia when they sing one? Maybe you're right. I never saw it before. What about Meet Me in St. Louis? See, you should never read out loud in front of a homeless person. Right. They will just lean on your shoulder. So he's <laughs> saying, like, every time I'm around her, I get butterflies. I don't understand what's going on. There you go. All the blood rushing. You're not getting gorged. Oh, so she's trying to sing. Yeah, and look, 
the cop is dancing. Hot cop. It's turned into Allentown, the music video by Billy Joel. Oh, there's the aerobic mom. Right. Look, it's a musical now. They ran out of shit to do. You know what I mean? I don't know, man. Uh, this film is long. Uh, you know, we're at uh, the 52nd minute of an hour and a half. I, I don't think they ran out of stuff. Well, I mean, they have to fill out the minutes. Did you, have you seen Birds of Prey yet? I guess no. It's available on 123 Movie Free, Sat Free. Mike, we I'm don't sure you like pirate it. Ch channel. Birds of Prey. Do you recommend I see that? Nah, yeah, there's no rush to see it. It's okay, it's I'll good and it's bad. It. It's, uh, it's it's empty nihilism selling a product. You know what I mean? Like if, if you go to Hot Topics and they're like, there's an aisle of like, fuck you t-shirts for sale. Yeah. That's basically what it is. Okay. It's this thing. It's fan service for people who love watching Warner Brother cartoons and reading Warner Brother uh, DC comics. And it's funny, but at one point uh, uh, Harlequin is getting the shit kicked out of her and she detaches herself and she starts fantasizing she's Marilyn Monroe in Gentleman's Prefer Blonde. Uh -huh. And there's like no reason to so there's like she fantasizes a musical number, like oh, you know. Oh yeah, and they uh, were out of stuff to do. <laughs> yeah. Wow, this music is going on. Now I know that she's got to be some old Broadway person, but I. All of them are. Yeah. He really did that stumble. Yeah. He rolled down a hill and went into a car. Right, this is clearly him. It's not a stunt person. Yeah, commercial. The camera was on the. We'll be back. We're ABC Movie of the Week returns with the jerk too. Yep, NBC Universal Television Productions. The production company was called Forty Share Productions. You know what they were shooting for? Yeah, Forty Share. Yeah. Did they get it? I don't think so. So now he's well, impressing was... them with card tricks. Oh, as one does. NBC was king of comedy back in the 80s, right? You had your Punky, you had your Punky Brewster, you had your uh, right. Cheers, your, your Cosby, your Thursday Night Lineup, your Cheers, your Hill Street Blues, hysterical shows. Must see. Knight Rider. You said all these no, that was the 90s. including Hill Street Blues. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's on uh, TV as well. Nothing like uh, kicking back and watching a full season of Hill Street Blues. Right. Tell you. you couldn't you couldn't uh, binge watch back then, and that's a good thing. Oh, those shows are long. An hour of Hill Street Blues, like there's 15 different things that happen. You know, it takes okay. forever. The count will be humiliated here. He's making an egg disappear. Yeah. And and he has to say something embarrassing. He goes, I don't even know what's going on. The egg's in his pocket. Embarrassing! 
Oh, no. That's my phony military uniform. You're right. Props gave it to me before I got on stage. Jumping a chimney up at a chimney. You see, you would get arrested for defacing a military uniform like that. <laughs> yeah. Well, in Bosnia. He made him. Now that guy is from. Like... That guy is uh, from. Uh, uh, Burt Reynolds in. Um, uh, Smokey and the Bandit. Oh, nice. He must have liked the fact that he was just sitting down and not in a truck. Yeah, it was a bit of a stretch for him. His name is Dudley. It's Pat McCormick. He was in Smokey and the Bandit. He was in Under the Rainbow. He was in History of the World Part 1. He was in a million TV shows. He's that. He's tall and he's comedic and he does a good job. Right. Yeah, no, he pulls it well. Can you please pass the jelly? Right. <laughs> stuff. And they're amazing. You know, he goes, my family, there were six of us, but uh, there's only five now. And the mother's like, I'm sorry. And he goes, what are you sorry for? That you lost someone. He goes, I'm oh, not I'm lost. Not. I'm just not with them now. And the butler cracks up. Oh, my God. That joke needs crib notes. I could, I didn't figure out, you know, I think I you explained that one. Bit of a stretch. So he's got he's got a picture of his family. So he's innocently okay, here we go. sit around. Now Maria's I like, oh, look how grown, how big Harold's gotten. So every person who sees uh, it is like shocked. Oh, including the the Prince of Monaco. Yeah. I always knew that was a racist. Watch this area. reaction. Watch this reaction. <laughs> now watch what the oh, dad will yeah. do when he sees it. <laughs> Josh right. Ew, what is that, Pate? So he is kicked out. But we don't right. ever get explained why. He's probably just sick of his shit. No. It was racism. And he's like, what about Marie? And the butler's like, I'll look after her for you, sir. You know, and he's defeated and walks off. And Marco's happy. That guy's gone. Yeah, thank God that pen pal's gone. Now I can marry my girl. Right. Yeah. But look at Marie. She's crying and see what the director does with the rain. Right. So you can see her from the window. So it looks like you can see the tears. All right. Hey, look. It is Jeannie. Check it out. Check out Jeannie. Hey, look. It is Jeannie dancing to a bunch of hobos. That's so they're doing the hobo style where they got an open cookout in the, in the suite. That's right. He's at the presidential suite, just like he said. Yeah. And this look, guy's not having it. Having a hobo meal, right? Hot yeah, that sounds funny. They got the stern now? Right. In the hotel room, yeah. they got an open flame. Well, it's stern now, man. It has flavor to the hot dogs. You can really taste it. Hey, look. 
I am Genie. Check it out. I am Genie. And I'm dancing. Now that I struck out. Even, but Naven's all bummed out. Yeah. Wow, he got caught in the rain. That guy has a chest, man. You can see his, his pecs popping out of that wet shirt of his. Yep. The jerk is built, is ripped. I love that guy, man. It's, he's not just my favorite Martian, you know? He was a good comedian. Oh, no, he's much more than that. That movie we saw him in, it was going to be, uh, what's his name, who plays against uh, Walter Matthau all the time. Jack Lemmon was going to be the star. Oh, because he's stupid. Like three stars they went through before they finally, uh, you know, arrived at Ray, and he did a good job. He did a great job. He, he's a little too believable. That's the problem about that movie. It's a little too skeevy. Yeah. Because he, he, he offers his wife to sleep with uh, Dino, Tony. right? No, what was it Tony? Uh, Dean Martin. Dean Martin. That's who it was. Yeah. Yeah. He played a, he played a lounge singer named Dino. And Dino was driving from Las Vegas to L.A. And he passes Ray Winstone's town. Ray is a songwriter. So he says, listen, if you perform my song, I'll let you sleep with a prostitute. And he's like, honey, pretend you're a prostitute and sleep with Dino. Trust you know, me. The, no, I'll let you sleep with my wife. And so he goes to a prostitute and says, pretend you're my wife. Ah, uh, well, my movie version's better. It yeah, is. right. So the prostitute, she's Kim Novak. Wait, is Kim Novak the wife or the prostitute? I forget. Kim Novak was the wife who's re the real-life wife of... Um, Jack Lemmon, and I really like the prostitute lady because her her Jersey accent, as you remember. Yeah, that's right. Listen, I saw that movie. They showed it at the Roxy in the nineties. It was very rare to back then. It wasn't on YouTube. You had to actually see it at a revival house. Right. And I was with a friend of mine, and Kim Novak walks by, and my friend goes, "Man, you could bounce a quarter off that ass." <laughs> That's all. <laughs> right? Was she? She could hurt here. Well, no. She was talking about. Kim, he was talking about Kim Novak on the screen. Oh, okay. like from the nineteen sixties version. I was like, yeah. Oh shit. So they're like, let's oh, ask Naven basically by letting him sleep with the belly dancer, and so the belly dancer makes their moves, and he goes, I can't sleep with you. I love Marie. And so the belly dancer says, well, if you love Marie, you got to climb the tallest mountain. you got to swim the deepest ocean. Go get her. So that's what he's doing. He's he's off to get his girl, and uh, Wait a minute. Ray will assist him. So he's not going to make a billion dollars with a little thing you put on your glasses that makes everyone go cross-eyed? The win here is, marrying, is falling in love with Marie, is, is getting Marie to not get married. He's a prince, dude. Give it up. It really isn't the jerk. I mean, it's it's a boy who leaves his home to seek his fortune. That's as much of the jerk as as we get. The first one. Yeah, the first jerk started that way, but did not. I mean, he had no special abilities. His dog was named Shithead. You know, he didn't 
he wasn't a great card player, uh, you know. Well, you know what's funny is like, uh, yeah, we were talking about when they show theatrically released movies on network television back in the day. They would say that it's been edited for content, right? And they, when they showed the jerk on on network TV, which I believe was the first time I saw it, I do remember the Shin and Shinola bit wasn't there, oh. and that the guy goes, "Don't call that dog hero, call him stupid." Right. Oh, okay, stupid. I remember seeing the jerk so on not TV. Called... I remember that. Yeah, so the dog was called stupid, and for the longest time, I thought that was it. So it's one of those things when you see it kind of for television, if you still do, uh, and then when you see the actual movie, you're like, whoa, they said shithead. Yeah, so Do the Right Thing was on TV. Instead of Motherfucker, they kept saying Mickey Ficky. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. You know, it's the same impact. that They could just, like, uh, mute the word. Right, they don't, you know. Right, much smarter. And that way, you know what they're meant to say, and it's just not aired. Well, it's that whole like airplane version. Remember that? Like movies had to have an airplane version so they could show the movie on the airplane. Oh. Because yes. back then, you didn't have a screen in front of you. You had one screen that they, you know, they put that descend, and right. you pay money for a headphone to watch the jerk. And to make sure that everyone in the airplane doesn't get offended, they had to edit out all the the dirt and raunchiness. Oh, wow, it really looks like she's doing exercise. Right, and it's because the that dad's is- at the door. Uh-huh. I got to go. What other Steve Martin movies would make good TV movies? Uh, okay, so TV sucks, so I got to say like that, what is it, House of Twelve, you know, when he's got like 12 kids? <laughs> you know, we, we've featured that on the film, uh, on the show, because Cheaper by the Dozen, yeah. which was a shitty movie from the 60s and a book from the 60s, and his version, oh, I think even before that, but that came out on Christmas Day. Cheaper by the Dozen and Cheaper by the Dozen 2 came out on Christmas Day the following year oh interesting a double loser interesting Uh, we can't wait to write that um, Goldie Hawn um, and it was all full of lies but uh, no that wouldn't have been a good TV show I don't know this wouldn't have been a good TV show either I'm glad it didn't get made yeah, me too. Well, he did Father of the Bride. Like, he, he was in a lot of remakes of movies that were popular back in the day, and they were pieces of shit. Yeah, and, and I then he did the Pink say Panther. That, um, that um, the Pink Panther was a horrible choice for him. Um, the thing yeah. is that we know, we know Steve Martin too well to have suspended disbelief and believe that he was – they really needed an unknown for that – let me just say that um, sometimes things aren't broken, so you shouldn't fix them. I I don't think they should have ever made a remake of uh, Pink Panther. I think that, you know, Peter Sellers nailed it. It wasn't the movie. Right. It was Peter Sellers. So, you know, I'm the biggest well, the history- fan, but that movie was not for him. So the Pink Panther was originally like a David Niven film, and they put in Peter Sellers as his comic relief, and it, and it blew up. 
So they said, we're going to make a sequel. So Lars said, fuck you, no. So Alan Arkin played Professor Inspector Clouseau yeah. in the movie Inspector Clouseau. Suggestion. And then A Shot in the Dark was, you know, especially the second Pierce Sellers movie. But, you know, it was just a different movie, and they threw in Clouseau as a star. Right. And it clicked. And then they started doing, like, Strikes Back and Revenge. But when he passed away, I mentioned this on the movie, they did two follow-up uh, uh, Pink Panther movies where they just used posthumous, you know, they, they had outtakes and they they uh, yep. repurposed it into two movies. Yep. And they had an unknown, Ted Ted Ross from the TV show Soap, played like uh, a different Bumley inspector. Right. And it wasn't that great, you know. Oh, it was hard. But then the Blake Edwards' last movie was Son of the Pink Panther, where they kept it in canon saying that he that Clouseau had an illegitimate ch- uh, son who is now a uh, Italian, uh, bumbling Italian inspector, and he's Roberto Bellini. And that's how they uh, continued the series. Like, he still kept it grounded. And at the end of Son, it's revealed that Clouseau had a daughter who's also uh, clumsy, and that's how the film ends. Yeah. And then with, with C. Martin, they said, fuck it, let's just reboot it. There's no, we don't need to follow any trails, you know. No, we we'll just do. We don't have to do it again. And you see a lot of movies like that. I mean, sequels in the '80s were like, oh, in Halloween Five, Michael Pleasance meets this person, and Freddy, you know, Nightmare for uh, Nightmare on Elm Street Five, this with their dream warriors this time. And now movies are like, fuck it, you know the premise. Here it is again. Yeah. Again, you know. <laughs> Just reboot. Just I don't have to worry about it. Yeah. I guess they did that on here. Now, you said Halloween 5, right? Uh, the star we're seeing yeah. right here, Stacey Nelkin, who is Marie Van Buren, she was in Halloween 3, yeah. Season of the Witch. Oh, that's that weird one. That's the one where it was like a, just a standalone horror story. Uh-huh. Check this out. She yeah. was scheduled to be in... Blade Runner, she was cast as Mary, who is one of the six Nexus Six replicants from Offworld and comes to Earth, but the budget yeah. constraints cut all of those guys from the film, and we just started, we ended up seeing Daryl Hannah and the other two guys. Um, Rucker Howard and Batty Ruck- and uh, some other shit. Yeah. So, but the only thing good about her, she was in Up the Academy. Which I saw in the theater with Boris Koba and his mom. Mad Magazine's trying to be National Lampoon. Yeah. That is directed by Robert Downey Sr. Right. It's it's not on YouTube. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, we have a friend, Boris Koba, and if he's listening, hi, Boris. It's been a while. I'm sorry I brought up your full name on this show. But his mom, like, uh, took us to see this. We were 12 years old huge Mad Magazine fan, and that movie was bad. Yep. And there was one scene, it was a military school, so the military sergeant, what have you, was going, they were going to have a dance, and he can't wait to get laid, and he's there, he's getting dressed, and they have a bulldog there, too, and the guy getting ready, he takes out a condom, and he puts it in his wallet, and he looks at the dog, and the dog looks at him, and he gives the dog a condom uh, wrap, wrap, condom, and the dog starts chewing it. Right. Like, and I remember Boris's mom just went, oh. <laughs> what have you I know? done as a parent? Yeah, <laughs> I still remember that sigh. Like, oh, 
So yeah, he, we all felt it. The Colvas family fortune came from that cheese. Colba cheese? Years and years, it was great great grandpappy Colba. Made the cheese. <laughs> okay, so hey, Stephen got... has been kidnapped, right? He is missing. And so now he's enlisted, Ray has enlisted all the hobos to go and find him. But Ugly Joe, who says, What's in it for me? And he goes, You're not a hobo, you're a bum. He's giving him an inspirational talk right now. It's really bad. up the music. Uh -huh. Oh, come on, Carl. This is torturous. I know. It's so bad. I mean, not even Stephen <laughs> is here to, like, at least be stupid for us. So, we're basically having well, a whole setup that they're gonna have to go find Naven and get him to the wedding in time uh, to stop Marie from getting married. Now, never mind sure, that you could just money. not get married. Right. I didn't realize this meeting was being held at the Donation Army. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It's right. Um, so, Miss Marie, she was Stacy Nelkin. She was in Chips, A Team, Eight is Enough, uh, Hunter. She had a role in Bullets Over Broadway, the Woody Allen film. Um, yeah. But she is best known for something I don't even know. Bonnie Sue Chisholm in four episodes of the CBS Western miniseries, The Chisholms. Oh, yeah. I was a big fan. I used to chisholm all over myself. Oh, you pervert. <laughs> <laughs> is that chisholm? I hope that's not chisholm. That's what I would say. My parents, when I, they turn on and see me watching TV. Yeah, they got a black light. Is that chisholm? Is that Chisholm on the TV? Yeah, it's a miniseries. Oh, that reminds me of one of my stand-up jokes I purposely did not do in San Francisco. Because you guys okay. are so sensitive. Okay. You know, you've heard of this, uh, like, gender fluid thing. I mean, like, what's the confusion, right? You show me the fluid, I'll tell you the gender. <laughs> you all, all, uh, I don't who think... did that? Oh, yeah. Nathan's the open mic at Native's bar would just go fucking ape shit. There was a bunch of jokes yeah, I did just... not tell in San Francisco on purpose because they were just too edgy for you guys. For example, that one, that one, gender fluid joke. There was others. Uh, um, gosh, it's you not. I'll tell you the San Francisco. Mm -hmm. I'll tell you the jokes that you did do in San Francisco. Oh, I love Asbury. Man, do I hate it. No, wait. I, I like love San Francisco. No, wait. Yeah, but. Oh, I hate Asbury. I don't think I did that joke well, this time around, right? It was March just before the COVID stuff. It was like the week, the first week of March. It was yeah. it scared the shit out of me the whole week. Yeah, yeah. Because I got to have you hosted an open mic in, in San Francisco, and you were, like, high-fiving, shaking hands, hugging, yeah. you know. <laughs> it was early. We didn't know. 
We didn't know. We knew. But it, it was right before the shit went down. You came and you left, and then the city went officially into lockdown. Yeah. It's a good thing I left when I did, Mike, because I would have been out there, you know, and I would have yeah. been, you know, staying at a hotel, a divey junkie hotel. I don't know. I'm just glad I got home and I was quarantined here in the mansion. Yeah. Yeah, in the state that has the second worst uh, COVID cases in the city, in the country. Well, at least back then, at least the town had 51 cases, okay? So. And we had no deaths, okay? My friend uh, Jeff lives in Garfield, and they had like 300 and some, I mean, they, he personally knows people, I know them too, who died from it. Um, oh. Jersey is a hotbed, but where I live, we're in a forest, a little rural here. Um, yeah. But the thing is, if I was out in San Francisco, I'm not knocking San Francisco. I'm talking about my life situation. I would have been at that rinky-dink hotel. It was a motel, you know, and that was and I would have had to stay inside that little box. You know what I mean? It, it, I'm just glad you, I got home. When you flew back, what was it like at the airplane? Did they were they kind of cognizant? Like it was a like panic mode or was no, people just not like, at all. But, Mike, like when we were out there, you were telling people they should shut down. Uh, it it what it hadn't yeah. hit yet. It wasn't. I mean, in your mind, Mike Spiegelman, it was a pandemic. Yeah. Carl, you just touched your face. Yeah. But the rest of the world was not where you were at <laughs> yet. We had about a week to go. Uh, when I flew on the airplane, there were no masks, no precautions. Listen, let our audience know that you uh, touched your fingers to your mouth, right? <laughs> Clean that the little space, and then touch my phone. <laughs> yeah. And I freaked out. I was like, God damn it. Yeah. Understandable. I, I covered – yeah. Okay, we're missing right now, this movie. You, you, we're missing this movie. Okay, so. I know. He has been kidnapped, as you can see, and he's just learned the bad news that um, uh, the Count has run out of money, and he's marrying Marie Van Buren for her money, okay? So now he's calling Marie with the pencil. <laughs> Ray is outside pretending that there's they're an ice cream truck. Oh, that's, that's Ray in the clown outfit? Oh, wow. This is definitely a landline. So now Marie's it's dilemma not. is if I stop the wedding, they might do something like kill Maven. So she's going All to right. get through with it. Wham, wham, wham. Boy, talk about buyer's regret. Three years of the marriage, you'd be like, why? I Whatever happened to Maven? Yeah, right. Oh, boy. Sorry, I'm sorry, Carl. How many times have you seen this movie? Because you know what I'm going to say. This is my fifth time. I can't sit through this movie. It's yeah. killing me. It's killing, it's killing me. me. Now we're revealing to, um, you know, we're revealing that it's Ray and they're getting in a net. He goes, well, what ice cream do you have? He goes, we got two dopes in a net. 
two dopes in a net. What's that? <laughs> Just throws it off. <laughs> two dopes in a net. Hey, quit climbing around. Boy, he must miss Smokey and the Bandit, right? Being in that net. So, Smokey and the Bandit, you know, remember when there was like Big Enus and Little Enus, and it was like, uh. Right, he's Big uh, Enus. He is Big Enus, because I'm saying they're doing the same thing. They're, they paired him off with a little guy. That's right. Now, when I first saw that guy, I was like, I know that guy, and I thought he was that guy from the James Bond movies with. Remember, there's the big guy and the little guy, and they would go around making funny jokes. But anyway, I, research found out that he was Smokey and the Bandit. He was yeah. Big Enos. So now right, they've well, cool. rescued Naven, and they're off to the wedding. They're going to do it. Oh, uh, my Applebee's delivery is coming in five minutes, Carl. Oh, okay. Uh, there's only uh, 11 minutes left in this film. Let's see if you can make it. All right. You want to pause? <laughs> uh, no. Uh, you can go. T when is your delivery coming? You don't know. They got to ring the doorbell, right? Well, there should be a note saying he's coming, but... Uh... Uh, according to my phone map, isn't this cool? It's on my street. Ah, gotcha. Not, not there yet. Well, for the yeah. continuity of the movie, we really can't stop. So I understand if you. Uh... Okay. We 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 prepared for this. We knew I ordered Sonic Drive-In to deliver to my house. You said Applebee's. Right, now look how freaked out Marie oh. is. She does not want to marry this guy. Ugh, the dress is a mess. What's that dress? Say yes to the dress. She did. Ah, uh, gonna get married. Now, uh. I thought it was funny that one of the editors was named Jack Gleason. Because of Jackie Gleason? Oh, Jackie Gleason. Yeah, because I know Jackie Gleason did not edit this movie. That's not the best producer's name. Remember uh, One Day at a Time from the 80s, the 80s version? Sure. There was a producer named Bud Weiser. Oh, really? <laughs> he probably for some reason, I just... Dogs. Yeah, right. Well, he was really obnoxious. He would always walk in saying, what's up? Bud. Oh, Bud. the hilarity that's ensuing. Listen, I'm with you. I'm done with this film, too. I mean, it's just not a good job uh, at all. And uh, it's not believable. We it? Dumbness. No, we should <laughs> not end it. We can't do that to our audience. So this, we can't guy, do that to our, no. this guy named oh, they got a hot air Steinberg uh, produced this. And Oh, okay. Here's a not funny gag. Uh, the Count is insisting that she she play Here Comes the Bride super fast. Yeah. Oh, right. Yeah, they want to get, get it over with. Get her down the aisle. Oh, what if, I'm going to take my phone outside. Okay. All right. As you know, I'm here at Mutiny Radio Studios. 
Right. Okay, I'm going to walk downstairs. Now, ugly Eddie has decided he's not going to be a bum. He's going to be a hobo. So he's helping by uh, uh, getting his father's van, the Trojan Bakery. And they'll, they'll pretend that they're catering for the wedding. Ah, but they're actually hobos. They're actually bringing Navin to break up the wedding. Did we drop that idea with the cards? I'm sorry, you're breaking up a little bit. So now the father is walking Marie down the aisle, and he's like, cheer up, Marie. And I don't understand why Marie doesn't say, Daddy, they're holding Navin hostage, right? Yeah, I mean, wouldn't the father not want his family-in-law to be uh, holding people hostage so they can get married? Well, I mean, the father is all for this because it's going to, you know, she's going to marry into royalty. It's very good. It's very prestigious for him. Uh, but, yeah, I think right. you're right. If he knew that the guy was a crook. Yeah. If my father-in-law said, hey, you know what's funny about the wedding is that we had to abduct your girlfriend, your, your true love, so you would marry our, our daughter. Like, oh, yeah, that was hysterical. So now they have to get past the guard, convincing them that they're caterers for the wedding, and they're saying everything wrong, and the joke is the guard goes, okay. He goes, you're a couple of comedians. Ah. And you know, the guard just lets him in. Thank God. Well, you know what? The guard probably realized the movie was ending. Right. And so let's just speed this shit up. But the thing is, the butler comes and vouches for them. And that's what, uh... Here we have the joke of the wedding march is so fast. <laughs> Give me your daughter. All right, Carl. Bye. Mute out if you want. Uh, okay, so now the butler comes and vouches for them, and he knows Navin's going to wreck up this wedding. So he's secretly on their side and takes Navin with him to lead him straight to Marie right away. Nice. Yeah, ERB, Now, a guy named Ziggy Steinberg uh, wrote this thing and produced it. And when he was in college, he wrote stand-up material for David Steinberg, uh, who's not a relation, George Carlin, Carlin and Debbie Reynolds. So he did a lot of stand-up writing. Uh, his first television script was a Mary Tyler Moore uh, episode. He went on to write for Bob Newhart, uh, and he wrote this. He Not only did he write this sequel, but he wrote a sequel called Porky's Revenge. Um... And he wrote and directed, he actually directed The Boss's Wife uh, for TriStar Pictures. Another thing interesting about this Ziggy Steinberg is he wrote and produced Another You, which was the last time Gene Wilder and Richard Pryor co-starred together in a motion picture. It was Pryor's final starring role. Was so that the one where, like, uh... Came from a distance. Yeah. If you remember, um, Big Enos 
like crashed his car into a chicken coop and got feathers all over him. And as a joke, we just saw an audience of this wedding with a bunch of feathers all stuck to him. It was pretty funny. How many memories? Did the photographer get it? What? Did the wedding photographer get it? Oh, the picture? Yeah. Now they're doing the do you take this one. And the joke is his name is so long. And he goes, just call me Marco. Uh. So at the very last second, of course, Naven will show. Marie's about to say, I do. Here comes Naven on the horse. That's the same horse, right? That is the same exact horse. And, um, you know, a la the graduate, he's breaking up the wedding. And nobody's happy. The mother's fainting for the sixth time in this film. And watch <laughs> will trip, will uh, leap over mom. <laughs> Good leap. Oh, there's a wedding cake. Let's see what happens. If there's a wedding cake in a movie, someone will fall into it. That was like a bladed trip, too. I would fire that butler. Now we have more hilarity. Oh, it's a Trojan horse. They Trojan bakery. Pies. Oh, it is a comedy. A la Bugsy Malone. They're attacking with pies. Wow, another good movie we did. Oh, I should tell you, Carl, one of my favorite things, if you go to Twitter and you, you're reading Scott Baio's Twitter feed, right? Uh, his bio, he lists all, all his movie, uh, his famous roles, and the first one is Bugsy Malone. Yeah, because that's so it. It's like Bugsy Malone, Scott Yeah. Yeah. But he lists like chronological. He's like, I was first Bugsy, then I was Chachi, and then I was Charles. It's pretty funny. So... Oh, the butler said yeah, three. Right, and Naven is like, where's the steering wheel? And Butler thinks he's making a joke again. <laughs> the worst wedding. Ah, I could hawk that. Yeah, that's right. That and is the key of it. Hawking jewelry. A kiss. See, now oh, they reference his special purpose, you know. It's just not the jerk in any way, yeah. shape, or form. Well, the jerk had no idea what sex was, right? He was all freaking I, out on that. But he got kissed. Produced by Ziggy Steinberg. Thanks, Zig. What a name. Thanks, Ziggy. Yeah, Ziggy and, Ro and Rocco wrote this. And here we have the great credits of a television show. Right. Cut scenes and let it roll. Not even well, cut. Ladies and gentlemen, that's... Stills from the film. Yeah. Well, this is the part where you go, I remember that scene of the dogs. Yeah. Next up, your local news, followed by Jay, uh, Johnny Carson. Stay tuned. Tonight, Johnny welcomes Ray Winstone.
for a postmortem on the jerk two. Carl, what do you think of the jerk jerk two? Horrible, horrible film. Awful, terrible. Yeah, you know what? That's the way I remembered it uh, forty years ago. Mm-hmm. And uh, I me thirty years ago, I guess. No, whatever, years ago. Well, yeah, there it is. That is a piece of pop culture curio, but uh, flawed, uh, just derbis, right? Yes. Just garbage. They made a sequel. Mm-hmm. And YouTube yeah. has it. So God bless you, YouTube. Uh, and that's The Jerk, too. I hope you guys enjoyed uh, the show and watching the movie with us. We will be back next week. Every Sunday is our show. Uh, next week, Carl, I don't think I have a trailer prepared, but we're going to watch the 1946's a Night in Casablanca with the three Marx Brothers. Wonderful. We're watching. We're going to riff a Marx Brothers movie. How fucking wrong is that? Yeah, that is. That doesn't even make just sense. let it play. <laughs> like said, they're kind of older and slower in this movie, and they don't really have much to do, but it's cool. It's a curiosity. You know, people don't forget they made this movie. Yeah, everyone knows older movies, even like the hotel one, but everyone keeps forgetting they made this one. Yeah. So we'll be checking out A Night in Casablanca. Uh, Carl, where can people find you? Uh, they can go to carlsucks.com. That's all I've got to offer right now in this COVID nightmare. Yeah, everyone, be safe. And uh, check out uh, mutinyradio.fm where we broadcast. Uh, has been doing an underground live comedy show which they perform outside in the street. And it airs live. So you can listen to it uh, on Fridays at 6 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. And that's that's all I got to really promote. I, I got some things going, but nothing really. Nothing really stand out. See my movie, The Thieves' Code, available on Vimeo On Demand. And probably the best two minutes of a movie you'll ever see, my scene. And you've got an article online that's current. About me, Mike Spiegelman? Uh, you wrote it. You were the author of an article online. Oh, tell me about it, because I, I, it's not. I can't place it. <laughs> oh darn! I'm not a good friend if I don't remember it. <laughs> no, I don't remember it. Well, you wrote oh, whatever. So, guys, you, you can, wrote an article. You wrote an article. You promoted it twice before on I, the show. I know, and you know one of the reasons why I'm I'm hedging my bets. It still hasn't been published yet. So uh, when it when it gets to the list, I will mention the website. Oh, okay. until then, do not go to do not go to savagehenrymagazine.com, Humboldt County's finest movie magazine, and where I've been contributing to their pu- printed publication for years. There will be a virtual issue available. Uh, so keep check, keep refreshing it. Do what I do. Keep Here's refreshing that page. Savage Henry. Oh. Yes, say Savage Henry magazine. But they call it Savage Henry Independent Times, or S-H-I-T. <laughs> Good one. Good one. Well, uh, that's all I got. Ladies and gentlemen, that's been fantastic. Uh, go to Venmo, contribute money to At Muni Radio, keep the station going. Uh, subscribe to our station. Keep safe, keep sane. Uh, Carl, I'm looking forward to next week's movie with you. Yeah, yeah. It's one. To, we, I'm going to mark it down. Mark, I'm going to make my marks. I'm going to, okay, I'll think of jokes. Looking forward. Yeah, hey, you know what? We're just going to play the movie. I don't think we're going to do any jokes. Uh, all right, well, that's it. Ladies and gentlemen, thanks so much. Thank you, audience. Thank you, Carl. We'll see you. Let's watch a full length.
German strudels. You should follow me on Twitter. It's Jokes to Carl. That's the French not the. Now let's watch a full length movie on YouTube with Michael. When you hear the trippy music, you know what time it is. I'm so excited. Today is a little bit different. I am pre-recording some Call Me Tim because I have the most exciting interview that I've ever had on Some Call Me Tim. Well, today on Some Call Me Tim, I actually have Wania, the bow of season six alone. How did that happen? Oh, things happen on Netflix, and then get into them, and then, oh, you get on Facebook, and they're real people. She's a real person. She answered her fan mail because I am a super fan. It's hard for me to express... I don't want to tell her this stuff because it's weird, but she'll hear it on the thing later. But I'm, I used to be a reality TV junkie. Before I started living like an authentic life that I wanted to live and spent my time the way I thought it should be spent to like make the universe and my universe and the whole situation better, I spent a lot of time watching screens and being really into reality TV. And in my late 20s early 30s I would say that it was my main goal in my life to be on a reality TV show now I look back at that and I think like oh maybe my reasons were a little more vapid or but this alone show is no joke if you haven't checked it out on Netflix yet season six wow like it's people surviving sir thriving as Wania will put it on her, uh, alone. <laughs> they have cameras, their own cameras. Nobody's filming them. They're filming themselves, and they're surviving, and they're making their own water or food, finding it, building a shelter. It's like crazy, but great, not pejoratively crazy. Like, wow, like superhero stuff. Living the way I would pretend as a child, like in my backyard, like, oh, look what I'm doing. But they're really out there. 73 days. She was out there for 73 days. And I'm watching the show, and I'm crying, and I'm crying, and there's all these amazing moments. She's dancing with the sun, and she's squirrels, thanking the squirrels, and being so grateful to everything she ate, and just like, and I'm crying, I mean, oh, it was just, it was amazing. And she's a woman. There were so many women out there. And I was so impressed because I just, when it started, I was like, oh, three women. And she's a feminist superhero. And I can't wait to ask her so many questions. She's calling like right now. It's going to happen. 
it's gonna happen like right now okay I'm like I did this I started it a little bit early before she called because I was trying to like center myself so I wouldn't fangirl out on like the explanation of alone before I started for those of you who haven't seen the show it's not like regular reality TV let's put it that way I mean it is in that they edited things heavily and I want to ask Winia quite a bit about what they left out and I watched she has a YouTube channel on Buckskin Revolution where you can watch the Alone series and listen to her as she unpacks each episode um, and says like the things that she could say and couldn't say because I guess they had a, a DNR or something about the show I guess reality TV shows do that you can't release anything before it happens on the TV but uh, she has her Buckskin Revolution channel that you should check out on YouTube, where she also teaches life skills. There she is! There she is! Okay. 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 Here she is. Okay. Oh, see, I already made a mistake. Hi, Winia. <gasps> Hi, Sam. How are you? I, I already fangirled out a little bit to the audience before you called to, like, calm myself down and sort of, like, uh -huh. explain what alone is for maybe some of the people that hadn't seen it. But you're more than alone. Uh -huh. That's the thing, too. I didn't want to just, like, talk about alone today. Hi! Okay, okay. I'm calm. I'm together. <laughs> you're so cool. I'm just, like, over the oh, moon to, like, you. oh. I mean, you didn't even have snare wire, and you caught rabbits? Okay. I know. I actually got a snarky comment on my YouTube channel today about how bad I did and how they couldn't believe I couldn't catch fish in a lake that was teeming with fish and how bad my trapping was. And it's so funny what people think they know about a thing. Like, they didn't really advertise that I don't have snare wires. Most people have no idea that that was one of the challenges that was going on. You had no fish. Well, that's – and they mentioned that at some point, that each place that they dropped people, each campsite is the wrong word, each place in the wilderness where you had the opportunity to live, they were all different. And so – some had fish right. and some had you had uh squirrels and rabbits and berries not everybody had berries right like i had less berries than most people i think actually because i didn't have much in the way of blueberries I mean, every site was different for sure yeah but it wasn't really true that like they all had equal mm. resources they tried to give them the best you know they tried to make it the best swath and distribute the sites as well as possible but some sites had way more resources than others for sure yeah, well, which would you have... That's the luck of the job. That's the real world. <laughs> right? <laughs> it's we... not Disneyland. It's the wild. Which, which, uh, which, which site would you have wanted to be on? Watching it after, would you have said, oh, if I would have been there? Did you have even that thought of like, oh, if I would have been in that no. spot? I mean, the thought that had I been in a spot with more resources, I could have done better and stayed longer, but I was in love with the place that I was. And when you're out there, you don't you have absolutely no idea what what other sites are like and what other people have access to. And there's really no point thinking about what you don't have because that doesn't fit you anywhere. Right. Well, but isn't that what you can do with what you've got? That's a mindset I think that we have in our real lives here all the time. Is that when we focus on the things that we that someone else has or that we don't have. And then it creates like suffering and misery that doesn't even need to be there. It's like what we can exactly. appreciate our own stuff. Okay, so first, I have questions not about alone. Where does <laughs> your name, where does Wania come from? What is the derivation of your super cool name? 
Yeah, that's a great question. So the, the story of it is um, one that is interesting and not necessarily super cool. Um, so when I was a teenager, um, when I was uh, 19, I went and I did a summer course. There was a backpacking field study. So it was eight weeks backpacking in the mounds of Idaho, which was amazing. And one of the traditions of the course was that everyone take a, a trail name during that time, um, just to kind of set it aside as a thing separate from your normal life. And so I did that, and I was really interested in ancestral skills and starting to learn more of these life ways that are the things that I'm into now. And I found a book of Lakota stories, and um, Lonia was a name. I wanted something that sounded beautiful and had a beautiful meaning and was something that I really identified with. And, um, and so Lonia is a really powerful word that means um, like the life spirit when it's not incorporated in a body. It means the breath of life. And so I took that on as my trail name. And after, after going by it for so long, and it was a very, very transformative summer, um, I decided to keep that as my name. And so the, the not pretty part of it is that that's totally cultural appropriation. Oh. And I, you know, I was a young woman and I didn't really have that lens and I didn't understand, you know, I had no concept of that or why it might not be a great choice. So, um, so that's where Wonia comes from, is from a young woman who just named herself uh, a word from another tradition that wasn't her own. And I do think it's beautiful, and I do really identify with it, and it's not a choice that I would make today. But I've gone by that longer than I went by the name I was given. And also, I feel like it's a way to introduce it's the, keeping that name um, brings up the conversation yeah. and allows me to talk about the concept of cultural appropriation and just like changing it back would be like uh, letting myself off the hook and pretending that I didn't make an inappropriate choice when I didn't know any better. And it gives me this kind of like this way of addressing such issues from a place of humility as someone who gets it because they've done that. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so it's a great question and it's not, you know, um, yeah, it's not always an easy subject for me to talk about because of that reason. Do you do you feel like you've earned the name now that you have embodied all these ancestral skills? Almost like you could call yourself a, a bunny or a rabbit name at this point because you ate so many. <laughs> like you you even said on the that was one of the things they actually showed that you're like I'm part rabbit now, <laughs> like I'm or that all of yeah, your cells absolutely. were. So do you feel like through the time that you've spent being like because you have integrity with these skills that you're that you've embodied and then you're, you're living and you're teaching it, does that remove or do you still feel yeah, some of that no i don't i don't think that there's any earning a thing that is you know something that i took without permission uh, you know so i mean wow. i think that it's not an inappropriate name if you look at it in that way but if you look at it through the lens of cultural appropriation yeah. i don't think that you know, that there is anything that just changes. I mean, sure, I think that someone who didn't have a relationship with the skills and wasn't aware of these concepts, maybe it would be a less appropriate thing for, or it would be more harmful right. for someone else. But I don't feel like that makes it just okay, you know, not That's... unless I had, you know, and, and, I, and I've spoken to Lakota people about this too, so it's not I'm completely without relationship to Lakota people, um, but you know, 
yeah, no, I can choose yeah. people who are all going to have really different opinions about it. So, <laughs> but it's, <laughs> it's not it's for an, me to say whether or not I earned it. I guess is the is the bottom line. It's an appropriate. It's an important conversation. Like, because since we're in this crazy time of. I mean, what's happening with our world right now? There's so, but to even just to recognize a situation, it's like for me in white guilt, like I have to constantly come up against it and say, yeah, I'm, oh, did I lose you? I lost you. You're back. I know. Sorry about that. No, hey, it's all good. cell phone here, so. <laughs> and you're out, in, you're up there in the mountains in Grass Valley. Okay, so here's my next question. How are you friends with a giant okay. cat? <laughs> The, the profile shot. Yeah, the, the picture the, the of the. You're looking that? at the. You're looking mm -hmm. into the eyes of this enormous cat. I, I'm a cat person. I'm a crazy cat lady. Like mm -hmm. I love cats. And I saw that picture. I'm like, how are you friends with a giant cat? And that's actually a pretty small bobcat as they go. Um, <laughs> large, large compared to house cats. But that was a cat that had been hit on the road. Oh. Um, so that cat was no longer alive. Oh, really? I thought you were looking deeply yeah. into the eyes of a cat. See, look at me. I completely I misinterpreted the picture. You were. I mean, I was doing that. Yeah. yeah. That, that's all still true. So... And, and so for me, when I was watching you, I was so affected and I kept like kind of putting myself where you were. It was so, oh, it was so incredible because you're filming yourself and it's like so intimate because it was almost like I was with you and that's got to be weird right. for you. And I'm wondering how like that affected you with the camera and the intimacy. But also when I was watching you, I kept thinking I could never... And you, there were times where you'd pick up an animal and look at it and be like, thank you, thank you, thank you for feeding me. And and you had to be like intimate with that animal and pull off its skin and do all that stuff. Is that, I mean, how do you do that? I, I, I Maybe I'm just so removed from <laughs> survival in life that like I just couldn't imagine. I mean, I was watching you do it and that was hard for me, like, I, when I saw Jordan with the Wolverine and I saw his little face and his teeth and I was like, I'm making myself watch this. But like, how did, was that interacting with you? With, were you just so grateful for the food that it wasn't, or that's just not freaky for you? It's just not freaky for me. That's been a part of my life for a really long time. You know, I've raised my own meat animals, um, you know, and I was vegetarian and vegan at one point. So I was like very anti-hunting and PETA and vegetarian in high school. Um, but once I started being introduced to ancestral skills and, you know, I went right from being vegan to processing and eating roadkill. Wow. Um, and I'm, you know, I have a science background and a deep connection with animals and it's never, it has never felt like a juxtaposition to me to love and feel connected to a wild creature and to, you know, skin it and break down its body for food and eat it. That is the most natural thing in the world to me. And to me, the barriers that our society puts up and the, the removal from our food source, that's what feels weird and wrong to me. Um, so, yeah, it certainly was not an issue for me out there and nor in my life in general. See, I um, I, I cook. One of the things I do for a living is I, I, I cook. I have no problem if an animal has no head. Like, I can – I've processed so <laughs> many birds. I've deboned so many birds in my time. Like, it's – but if they have a head, I can't do it. And, and I think maybe it must be something to do with the way I was raised and I was so far removed. Even when I am working with a food source, I'm still removed from it, even when it's whole. So 
Right. Um, talk a little bit about Buckskin Revolution and what you're doing to try to create that connection again with people and the way we should. I don't want to say should be living our lives. That's weird. But the way we did for thousands of years. And then it's just this little tiny little bit here at the end where we're so removed from it. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you've kind of you've hit the nail on the head there that my work with Buckskin Revolution is to kind of um, invite people back into that place of connection, not just with the world around them, um, but with our own selves, with our human communities and with with our ancestry as humans and what it is that we evolved to do. And absolutely, the bodies that we live in evolved over the course of hundreds of thousands of years, millions of years to to allow us to engage deeply with the world around us and it's only been a few hundred years that that's completely shifted to where we no longer need a lot of these senses that we evolved with and i think that you know the malaise that we see in our modern society and so many people who are unsatisfied and you know dealing with depression and feel like there's something missing from their lives i believe that that is because we are living lives that are so different from what we evolved to do and that does you know that does leave a feeling of something missing. You know, we have all of these amazing sensory perceptions that are about engaging with the world around us. And instead, we engage with screens, you know, 12 inches from our faces, and we fill our senses with noises. And, you know, like right now, there's a helicopter overhead, and I can hear the highway. And, you know, my ears evolved to the frequency of bird song. And knowing what's going on in the forest around me through paying attention to what the birds are doing. And, um, yeah, I think that the degree to which we engage those skills, those senses, those parts of our body, you know, just our hands in, in fashioning.